0: Get ready, Avalanche Territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. On your home for the most Avalanche content, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to the debut of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans. I am taking my cue. I've been inspired by Zach Bai who does the mile high hoops podcast and he does such a great job with it. So I wanted to get in on the fun. So I'm getting a chance to do the avalanche hockey podcast each and every week here. And thank you so much for tuning in. We got a lot to talk about. And as always, I would love to get feedback from you and perhaps topics to discuss. So as always, you can reach out to me via Twitter at Mike Evans, one Oh four three. And, um, Love to be able to chop it up and and talk about the key issues surrounding the Avalanche and the NHL as we kick things off in just a little bit. I'll be welcoming in Scott Masters, our, one of our Avalanche uh, insiders, one of our guys we turn to, the former scout advisor, uh, who always, I enjoy his perspective on the game, on the Avalanche. He was in town for the Pierre Lacroix ceremony this past weekend, and I can't wait to talk a little bit about. Pierre and I, I got to share with you the first ever real face to face encounter I had with Pierre. Uh, to say we did not get off on the best of foot footings, feats, a uh, little bit awkward, a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, that was certainly the case. So I'll I'll share that story here with you a little bit. But the Avalanche season is underway, uh, an Avalanche season that starts with incredible expectations, and and this is great uh, because. As somebody that was lucky enough to be here when the Avalanche were every year contending for and ultimately winning a a couple of Stanley Cups, to be here in the midst of that and, and cover a team and be around a team where the expectations were from day one, look, at a minimum, at an absolute minimum, we are going to be in the Western Conference Finals. And depending on how we do against Detroit, we're going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals and ultimately try to win the Finals. So that's how ultra high the bar was set and to hear Joe Sackick come out before this season on the eve of the season and say we are Stanley Cup robust our expectations are to be in the Stanley Cup finals to win the Stanley Cup finals you can understand why for me and for maybe some older Avalanche fans who are really around and 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 really able to enjoy the, the Stanley Cup glory years of the past to hear that again Uh, It's cool, and after all the lean years and long years in in which you were just hoping for the Avalanche to be relevant and to be a playoff team, and hey, if they can win a playoff series, that'd be great, but to now be at the point where the expectations are back to being this high, I love them. I welcome them. Joe welcomes them, and now we'll see if the team can handle those expectations, and and how do they handle coming back from that disappointing playoff loss to to Vegas, and it's... It's funny because you look at the Avalanche core and maybe at first glance, your thought is, well, they've got everybody back. The team is loaded. And hey, wake me up in April when they begin the playoffs and we'll see if they're ready to take the next step. But there, there's so many new components to this season that, that makes it interesting. You've, you've got some key players that are no longer here that were part of, of last year's run. And and you look at a Brandon Saad, who was so good during the playoffs, and you look at uh, a Philip Grubauer, and uh, and you see some of the, the new faces that are in place or faces that have been around but are going to have more expected of them. Uh, it, it's why it is going to be an interesting season and a lot of interesting storylines to watch. For me, of course it starts in goal. And how does Darcy Kemper do it? I notice I can't help but notice some of the similarities, some of the similarities that exist between a Darcy Kemper and a Philip Grubauer. You think about Grubauer when he came here, he had not yet put together that deep of a resume in his time with the Washington Capitals, but there was a sense that if given the opportunity to play more and be surrounded by a better team, that this guy could really excel. And what do you know? He did. But throughout it all there was for me this this nagging thought that okay yes he's got the kind of background that suggests if given the opportunity he should do well but he doesn't have the kind of proven playoff record that you can point to and say hey i can trust this guy come playoff time and to lead this team deep into the playoffs into a stanley cup championship and that was always a nagging concern for me even while he was putting up big numbers in the regular season was okay can this guy deliver come playoff time I always have my question marks and it was why a couple years ago when Carey Price's name was being talked a lot about uh, being available in trade I, I thought the Avalanche should go after him and I got a lot of pushback on that from, from fans and, and media alike and uh, the general gist of it was, well, you know, have you seen Philip Grubauer? Look at his numbers and all of this, and he'll be fine, and he can do it. And I'm like, well, m- maybe, maybe not. And this past year, it, it looks like you know, ultimately, the Avalanche agreed with that, um, and it did sting a little bit uh, for me to watch Carey Price do what he did in leading the Canadians and carrying the Canadians as far as he did last uh, last spring and summer, but that. That's in the past. Uh, that Nothing we can do about that now. Now the question is Darcy Kemper. And, and Kemper kind of reminds me of Grubauer in the same way in that he comes over uh, from situations where you look at and say, okay, maybe the numbers weren't that great, but if given the opportunity, be surrounded by a better team, he's going to really be able to excel. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But as much as I agree with that, I have no doubt that once he gets his footing here as a starting goaltender for the Avalanche, he'll really take off and he'll be uh, terrific during the regular season. And there'll be very little drop-off, if any, between what you were getting from Philip Grubauer in the regular season last year and Darcy Kemper this year. The key question is, what's he going to do come playoff time? Because he doesn't have that kind of playoff record either. I think he's only got 14 playoff games to his uh, to his record throughout this point of his career. And it's not like he's just a young buck. I mean, this is a guy who's been in the league eight, nine years. So it's uh it's the it's the great unknown. And we really won't know until the playoffs come along whether or not this guy is up for leading this team deep in the playoffs. So that is the the question that really won't be answered until then. But the first order of business for Kemper is to show that Hey, here you go. You're surrounded by a terrific team. Now go out and give us the kind of regular seasons that Philip Grubauer gave us. I think that's the first uh, checkmark, checkpoint, if you will, for Darcy Kemper. I think the other thing to really watch for is some of these young players that are going to be given the chance to do more and assume a bigger role. And I'm thinking about guys like JT Comfer, Tyson Jost, Um, Alex Newhook, who was here, then got set down, but no doubt plays a a big part in the the Avalanche future. Bo Byram, players like that. And given the chance to take on bigger roles, do they make the next jump? Do they make the next leap in their careers? And that's going to be uh, very important as we know what the Avalanche are going to get from their core guys but what about that secondary scoring? What about the the third and fourth lines? What do they get from those players? Younger players are going to be given the chance. Here you go. What do you do with it? Do they do enough with it? Or do we get to a point where come the trade deadline, Joe Sackett looks out and said, hey, I gave these young players a chance. Didn't get enough. We're in the business of trying to win a Stanley Cup. I'm going to go make some moves at the trade deadline to bring in veteran players to assume those roles. So it, that those are just some of the storylines. Also, uh, the Avalanche defensive core, uh, Orion Graves is out, and Eric Johnson is back. Uh, we we continue to see the development of of Sammy Girard and Kale McCarr. We get to see now more of a, a Bo Byram, some new faces, some new defensemen brought in. More of an emphasis on size, which uh, certainly not a coincidence. After we saw the Avalanche defensemen get uh, bullied and, and beat up in those final four losses to. Las Vegas. So it's a, it should be a fun regular season with plenty of storylines uh, to follow and, and watch. This is not just simply a matter of, okay, we got the same team back as last year. Yawn, Pencilman for 115 points, and uh, let's get on to the playoffs. Uh, there are some question marks, and, and there are some uh, questions that need to be answered with some of this new-look Avalanche team from a year ago. But they have the core, and my goodness, what a core. What a core! When when you can trot out arguably the best line in hockey, McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, uh, defenseman like a like a Kale McCarr, a, a Sammy Gerard. I mean, you're 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 the envy, the absolute envy of the NHL with being able to have this kind of core to build around. So, uh, watching to me especially, I, I I'm really fascinated to watch uh, a young player like McCarr who has superstardom written all over him, how does, how does that transformation, what does it look like? What does it include? Is it, is it something that jumps out at us? Is it something that is just like, wow, look at what he's doing this year that he hasn't done to this point. This is, this is a kid becoming a man type thing. Uh, that to me, if there's, if there's one Avalanche player that I am most interested in watching just individually, I'd, I'd have to say it. Uh, it would be McCarr just to kind of watch his growth into truly, truly, truly becoming one of the uh, elite defensemen in the NHL. Not these aren't not already there, but you know what I mean. Just going to that level where it's like, okay, here comes the first of uh, you know six Norris trophies in the next eight years. Okay, that's that's where I'm looking at with with him. Well, as we continue on with our debut of our Mile High Hockey podcast. This guy gets the distinct honor of being the first ever guest. So Scott Masters, our Avalanche insider friend, former scout, advisor with several hockey teams, including the Avs down through the years. You're, You're making history. You're going to be the answer to a trivia question someday. How do you feel about that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I love it. You actually made me smile. So, uh c- c- congratulations on that. Not many people make me smile. So oh, that's
0: you. that's good. That's good. Well, let's jump into it. We're we're a week into this avalanche season and kind of an uneven start to the season thus far. I think the the biggest story right away was the suspension of, of Gabe Landeskog. And I I'm curious how you view that. The role of a captain. Yes, you want him to be the leader, you want him to stand up for players like he did in the St. Louis series a, a year ago. But taking these kind of suspensions, does this cross the line as to what you want and expect from a captain?
1: Uh, no, I, I mean, aside from saying, you know, like uh, we don't want anybody hurt, right? So um, the hit sent a message for me um, to across the league. And that's, I think, what is important for the Avalanche and Gabe uh, himself is that they're not going to be pushed around. They were lacking some strength. They were lacking some toughness in the playoffs last year or maybe the year before. And so this was a message for me. And I, I take that suspension and, and proudly just walk away for two games. And, but it sends a message to the rest of the league saying, hey, we're here. We're going to play hard. No matter what, I don't think Gabe intended to hurt anyone or intended to take a penalty or a suspension. However, he was sending a message to his teammates and to the rest of the league saying, hey, we're tougher, we're stronger, we're not going to be pushed around like the years before.
0: But you know how this league works with repeat offenders, and this is now four suspensions for him in his career. Do you run the risk that while he's trying to send these kind of messages, the league is going to look at it and say, OK, each time you try to send a message, you're going to get suspended longer and longer? Does it does it become a problem that way? We've seen it with Nazem Kadri, uh, and what his suspensions have met for Toronto and for the Avs. Do you run the risk of that happening here with Gabe and the Avs?
1: Yeah, of course. You always like push that line, right? And and Kadri was definitely missed in the playoffs in the second round last year, and I think that's one of the reasons why they lost and they got pushed around. With Gabe, I think he it's okay. You're paying the price during the regular season. You don't want Gabe to do in the playoffs for sure. And I think Gabe is smart enough as a hockey player for that to happen and not to happen in the playoffs where he knows the line. He's a very very intelligent player. He's a very very intelligent leader. He knows where the the line is, and he knows not to cross it. Maybe closer to the playoffs, right? He backs off a little bit, but plays a little bit extreme hard harder uh, during those times. But he knows he knows like that. The 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 hat the hit on on Doc uh, on or the Chicago Blackhawks player was. That borderline player on that borderline uh situation where uh the player is two or three feet away from the boards, Lais Scott knows that he knows maybe to let up maybe in more in the playoffs where he doesn't get suspended
0: and listen, Scott, you do not have to win me over to the idea of the need to send messages, the need to police. Uh, the players need to police themselves on the ice. I, you know, growing up a, a long time Boston Bruins fan, believe me, trust me, I understand the the role that fighting and, and 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 on ice justice carries. I just wonder though, if at some point, doesn't it have to be somebody else other than Gabe delivering these messages and standing up for players? Uh, you know, he his importance to your team on the ice. Not only as a captain, but as a player, uh, you didn't sign him to an eight-year extension because you just want him out there, you know, doling out messages. You're, you want him out there. At some point, does somebody else have to take up this responsibility? Not just Gabe.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that totally. Uh, it's it, it shouldn't be your captain all the time. It, every team needs that rat, right? And and, and spending the weekend over with. Uh, with LaCroix Hockey and and everything that Pierre did and having all these legends in town and and hearing these stories. And and Claude Lemieux was that type of player, but there was other people in top of him that handled the scoring, right? So if if Claude was, you know, so-called that rat and and played that villain – type of role, well, they had Forsberg, they had Saka, they had Kaminsky, they had these other players to score, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you take Gabe off that top spot because he's playing a rat role, then you've you've created another hole, and that's the problem, yes. That's the problem with the Avalanche roster, as I see it and I saw it last year, was it's a very, very top-heavy team. So you can't have the Landis-Goggs or the McKinnon playing the rat roles, and you can't have Cadre being suspended because then it, you push Jost or you push Comfort into that role, which that's not their role, that's not their spot, and then you become weaker down the lineup, and then you lose in the second round.
0: Visiting with Scott Masters, and you mentioned Pierre Lacroix on the weekend, the tribute to him and all the players, and, and what a testament to what this man did and what he stood for. And tell all of our fans here along the Mile High Hockey podcast what you and Pierre's son, Eric Lacroix, are working on.
1: Yeah, we... It was an extreme honor just to watch the ceremony on Saturday, and and then we had a little event afterwards where we had all these legends and Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick and Ray Bork and Adam Foote and Milan Hayduke, and, and basically what it is, is is that Eric has the same blood as his dad. He's... He's passionate about advising and, and managing players. That's where Pierre started back in Quebec and he, he left his management, uh, his agency to to lead uh, the Quebec Nordiques and, and general manager of that organization, which turned into the Avalanche. And so it's kind of a, a legacy, continuing the legacy of Pierre and, and building other ones. And. Uh, so we're trying to help young kids locally. Um, Pierre did so much for the, for, that, for the young youth hockey hockey community here, and uh, we're just trying to build on that. So we, uh, we're going to advise young kids um, from age of 5 to 35 or 45, whatever it may be, um, and build that legacy that Pierre brought.
0: And how can people learn more about it, get involved, reach out for your help? How, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, Hockey dot com. Uh, we're just getting started, so we're going to hold some community events. Um, and we're redoing uh, the family sports center where the avalanche play as well or practice as well. Uh, we're going to put in some uh, a drill house, which is called. Uh, we're putting in some uh, a lot of uh, strength conditioning programs and and mental health programs and all around programs to increase the hockey player. Uh, all around. And so well, com, and then Drill House will come along as well. Um, and so we got a lot of great things going on, and we're going to hold community events where we have guest speakers and and people to interact with with uh, referees, with head coaches in the NCAA, uh, everything involved just to make
0: players all around better. Busy with Scott Masters. Final thought on on Pierre. What – Tough question because it's maybe hard to sum up in a tidy two-minute answer, but how do you explain his success? How do you explain his greatness? How do you explain what made him uh, one of the best general managers ever in the history of hockey and, in in, in my opinion, the the best general manager the city of Denver has ever seen?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I I was talking uh, about it, and I think I was uh, discussing it with Sandy – on the air uh, Friday night before his ceremony. And I was, and I didn't get the chance to mention, but I was just like all these great, great hall of famers that go into the business of coaching or management. Right. And we talk about Joe Sackett taking that role and how he wants to succeed. You know, he wants his players to win and people want to succeed for him. Right. And like, it's kind of that honor. Well, Pierre had that and, I think about the best ever Wayne Gretzky and this is no shot at Wayne Gretzky whatsoever, but when he was coaching, well, he wasn't very good. Like he just wasn't like, he just, that's not his role. It's not his job, but people wanted to play for Pierre and they wanted to win for Pierre. And it was a silent confidence with him. Like he just held this, Hey, I know what I'm doing. Let's do this. I'm going to get the best players, I'm going to get the best out of my players, and people respected that and knew that just out of his confidence, out of his demeanor, and it just oozed throughout the organization, and people knew that, and unfortunately, the Avalanche have not had that since he left, and Joe is great and all, but he's not Pierre, and and so when I say that, not in a negative way towards Joe, but Pierre was Pierre, and he had that something, right? He had that something that brought to the organization and to the city and to the state of Colorado that made the
0: abs win,
1: plain and simple. How would
0: you describe his philosophy of team building, roster building?
1: I think it's chemistry. I think it's just chemistry all around. And and it's with any relationship that works, men, women, men, men, women with women. It's just relationships work. And he wanted his whole team to work together, and that's what happened. And And maybe he brought in some individuals uh, that were individuals. We always see that in team sports, that individuals work opposite of the team, and the team works opposite of the players. But he brought in players that were included in the team, and they just bought into the philosophy. And so he managed to work that chemistry, work that – that magic and to get players that work together with players. And they ultimately, they won multiple cups because they believed in each other. They were working for each other. And that's what Pierre was. He he didn't care about his own name or his own uh, stature. He just worked for the team and he put, he uh, was able to pull it off.
0: You know, that sense of chemistry that you're talking about and players working together. One thing that always struck me while I was covering the avalanche during that time is, No matter how stacked the team looked, how loaded they were with all-stars and future Hall of Famers, he seemed to always realize the benefit of the addition around the trade deadline, of bringing in uh, a player, a prominent player, and understanding that that player not only would be able to bring a particular skill set, fill a role, but the, the, the overall lift it would give to the guys in that dressing room, the sense that... Hey, management believes in us. Management's going out to help us, and just the the infusion of a of a fresh face and oftentimes a very respected veteran face that would come into that room and really seem to energize it. Did, that was always something that struck me. Did it did it strike you at all? Yeah,
1: it's actually you know like he he made magic happen all the time, and you know it's like oh that trade, that trade, that trade. You can look down the line and, and the list of the things that he did where almost perfect. You're talking about Rob Blake and, and Ray Bork and obviously the Patrick wall trade where he we will go into that. I'll go into Patrick wall a little bit more was that he knew Patrick wall was coming to Denver and he didn't have to push for it. It just was a, a thing that he knew And he sat back and he waited for Montreal to call Colorado, who does that, right? If Patrick wall is available, who sits back and waits for the other team to call? Mm. Well, Pierre did. He just knew. He just had this instinct of knowing that he was going to be able to get these players and for the right price, which is the other thing. That he knew that he could get Patrick Lav for basically nothing and then ask for Mike Keane at the last minute and be like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we need Mike Keane who was obviously the the captain of Montreal and there was a huge part of that Avalanche run. But he just knew these things. He just had this instinct. And when he made these trades, it bettered the avalanche. And he didn't have to give up. He never gave up the farm, right? He he just made things happen that were best for the avalanche. And the trades in the end were ultimately better for the avalanche and the future of the avalanche.
0: Yeah, I remember the Bork trade. It, It was like he was rumored to be going anywhere but. And then all of a sudden... Boom! There are the Avs, and and the deal got closed quickly. Hey, great, great stuff, great perspective, and Scott, I I can't thank you enough for for coming on and sharing your uh, your stories, your your perspective, your insight uh, in this the first edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Let let's do it again. Really, really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, I love it.
0: All right, there he is, uh, Scott Masters. Good stuff there, and you know, talking about Pierre LaCroix, talk about Eric LaCroix. <laughs> All right, I got to share this story with you. So this is the first time I ever crossed paths with Pierre Lacroix. So here here's how it goes. So I am new to Denver. This is 1998. I am new to Denver and I've I've come up from uh Dallas after spending a couple times a, a couple years in Dallas and of course years before that in uh in New England. So I'm coming up with the idea that I'm taking no prisoners. I'm coming in, and I'm just earth, man. I'm not backing down to anybody. I'm going to be loud, proud, opinionated, all of that. And my first pairing is with the great Sandy Clough. <laughs> and Sandy and I are doing afternoons together here on The Fan. This is back in 98. And, of course, the avalanche are at the peak of their powers then. And Pierre Lacroix is at the height of his greatness. So we're doing a... Like a weekly bi-weekly uh hit with Pierre Lacroix. He comes on and does uh, does an interview with us, and Sandy's gotten to know Pierre at this point pretty well they have They have a pretty good relationship, so we're we're talking, and it was I think the day before or two days before uh, the Avs had sent Eric Lacroix down to the miners, so Eric was a, a player professional player, avalanche player at that point. And he got sent down to the minors by Pierre Lacroix, his father. So here I am, this uh, wise guy, what, 28? I was 30 years old at the time. Just full of himself, right? And so I say to Pierre, I say, geez, Pierre, if you're that unhappy with Eric, couldn't you have just grounded him or something? Why'd you need to send him to the minors? And... (laughs) I'm cracking up as I recollect. Sandy gets this look on his face, this like look of horror, <laughs> like, "What are you doing? Like, how did you? Why? Why did you ask that question? I mean, just, just like, and immediately, like, I'm like, I start sweating because I'm like, uh-oh, I, I that wasn't, I went too far, I, I, I did something wrong. Look at the, look at the way Sandy's reacting, and of course, Pierre gives this long pause. Like, you could tell he's counting to 10 so that he doesn't, like, call me an obscene name on the radio or something, right? And he just gave a very quiet, professional answer when we moved on. I felt awful. I felt, like, two inches tall. Never mind, I got, the you know, the great Sandy Clough, who I'm, I'm working with, and he's got this, you know, incredible reputation in Denver. And, you know, he thinks I'm a piece of crap, right? I'm like, oh Lord, I gotta make this right. I gotta make this right. So uh the Avalanche were playing that night at McMichaels Arena. So I was gonna be going to the game anyway. Uh so I go to the game and I go find Jean Martineau, who is the was the great Avalanche uh PR PR guy at that point. And I I saw him. And he saw me coming, and as soon as he saw me, he got this look on his face like he just bit into a lemon. I'm like, oh, yeah, he was listening. So I go up to Jean. I said, I said Jean, I said, um, I, I can't apologize enough for how I acted uh, today on the radio with Pierre. I feel really bad about it. Um, it was very unprofessional on my part, and I'd really love to apologize to Pierre. And so he kind of, like, softened up, and he's like, hey, okay, no problem. You know, let me take you to him. So we walked down the hallway to his office, and uh, this was my first time ever meeting Pierre because up until this point, I'd only talked to him on the on the phone. And um, so this was my first time sitting across from him. And you know that feeling like when you ever got called down to the principal's office and you had to sit across from the— principal and his desk and it was always a big desk and he always seemed to be sitting up a little bit higher and you were in a chair that put you a little bit lower so that he was looking down at you and you were looking up at him and you were like that's how I felt I felt like I was back in the principal's office so I uh I just uh I said I said uh, I said Mr. LaCroix <laughs> I think I even went with the I played the mister card I think so, mr lacroix i'm really apol- i really apologize that's that's not the way I am, and I was just trying to go for a cheap laugh and um I know that was not easy for you to do to send your son down to the miners, and I'm sorry to make light of it and he was he he could have been nicer, and you know for that point on we were we were fine we were great, and he was uh always a joy to deal with but uh yes, that was my first exposure to Pierre lacroix, me putting my foot in the mouth uh to the point where sandy. I don't know if Sandy remembers. I'll have to bring that story up with Sandy t- sometime because uh... <laughs> I can still see the look on his face. I, you know, Normally, Sandy's like very, you know, hard to ruffle. You know, he'll get mad, but it's a controlled mad. You know, he never really gives away his facial expressions. The look on his face was like just horrified. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? That's, that's not good. That's not a good reaction. If Sandy's acting like that, that's not good. And uh, it wasn't. But that was my uh, first exposure to Pierre Lacroix and uh, Eric Lacroix. And uh, when Scott told that story about working with Eric, I I couldn't help but uh, remember that, chuckle, and wanted to share that story with you. All right, that'll do it for our first ever. Mile High Hockey Podcast. We're going to be doing one of these each and every week as we uh, follow and talk about and get great guests on to talk about everything going on with the Avs and the great game of hockey. So thank you so much for tuning in. Tell your fellow Avalanche and hockey friends about this podcast. Invite them to tune in. Please, as always, would love, love, love to get your uh, feedback. Just you know, reach out to me uh, via social media on Twitter at MikeEvans1043, uh, or you can reach me here through the station. I would love to get your feedback uh, as we move along throughout this, uh, what should be a great avalanche season. Thanks so much. Again, you've been listening to the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans.